So uh, when we begin to understand that movies uh, are not there for us like there's we, we would think if we're going to be ordinary people, then the movie is there for entertainment, is there for absorption, is there to get our mind off of things. But for the Dhamma dude, this is watching a movie is a wakey wakey call. Watch how you feel, watch how they want you to feel, watch what's going on in there and notice all of this stuff and you'll get a, a real education. Your average movie is quite educational. Anyway, we were going to talk a little bit about um, how the movie and entertainment industry um, is actually part of the world. And that what they're trying to sell is uh, dukkha, that you cannot have, uh, people would not watch a video podcast. An example of that would be what is known as Fox and Friends. Fox and Friends sounds innocuous. Another one is The View. You probably heard of both of these uh, shows. Okay. Both of them sound very friendly, easygoing, uh, not uptight at all. And yet these programs are often open warfare. Mm -hmm. Because if it bleeds, it leads. But in fact, uh, if if they wanted to have a nice, easy peasy program for the view, uh, all they would have to do is uh, fire McCain. But they want her on that program because uh, uh, people play Ain't It Awful and watch just so that they can play the game of Ain't It Awful about all of this turmoil on this happy program. And so this is the whole idea that you have to have a drama in order to um, have an audience. If there is no drama, there is no audience. But the audience themselves, and we as we watch a movie, we're, uh, we have to begin, as especially for Dhamma students, to begin to look at how we feel about it. Because um, the whole point of entertainment or the whole point of um, amusement is to become distracted from the problems of the mind, the problems of the world. So if we don't have any problems at all, then we don't really have much reason or interest in watching the movies. But if we watch a movie to become distracted from what we're uh, normally doing, then this is what the whole industry is there for. Uh, Eric Byrne talked about it in the sense of time structuring. How do we structure our time? We can structure our time in the sense of uh, possibly the best way, uh, uh, according to his system, would be intimacy. And we can talk about intimacy both internally and externally of really being there. Uh, there's also activity, work, games people play. And the games are uh, situations that always wind up in bad feelings. Why? Because the games always have competition. And so Eric Byrne used the word game. He wrote a book called Games People Play. They had music uh, uh, with a song that had that same thing. He had already been a well-known publisher, 
But when he wrote the, a book, Games People Play, the publisher said, we don't want to publish this book way it is because every game in your book is a negative game with negative outcomes. And Burns said, yes, <laughs> of course. That's what we're talking about here is game playing means that you have winners and losers. And that that's what the game playing is all about. Well, movies are also about game playing in the sense that there's winners or losers. But the whole way of looking at the movie is they set the movies up in the beginning so that you know who's going to win the game after a lot of trials and tribulations. But they set that guy up for you to uh, to fall in love with and be your hero. That's why they're called the heroes. The hero comes in and then the villain comes in and now the match goes on and everybody takes the side of the hero. Which means that at the end of the movie, they're going to feel good because he's the one that won the game. Yeah, they get you to invest. Uh-huh. Now, um, in fact, the... Movies in Europe don't always have that. There's sometimes they will kill off the hero. Mm-hmm. That's why we, West, uh, Americans don't like some European movies is because Europeans will kill their hero. And you're not supposed to kill the hero. We're supposed to feel good watching your movie. <laughs> okay, so that's... Game the, of Thrones is big on that one. Yes, it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. I've seen bits and pieces of it all along. I think it went for like eight seasons. It, yeah. It, uh, it, uh, eight or ten shows per season. Yes. Uh, and Every, everyone was very disappointed with the, uh, the last season. A lot of people were. Well, they're disappointed because it had a good ending. Oh, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the magic they, they kid in the wheelchair finally got to fly, and they made him the king, and every, and all of the uh, 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 the winter people are dead, and and all of the villains are dead, and now they can yeah. have rest in peace, you know, like this. Time for meditation. <laughs> Everybody says enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Yes, that's the that's the point. It it did not end in the way that they wanted it to, uh, or the the audience does. They, uh, so, this is the whole point about this entertainment is uh, that we actually start our kids off like that in the in very very little children's cartoons. They set up an antagonist, a protagonist, then they set up an event. And then they set up a resolution for the event, and then the story is over. And they do that over and over and over again, and we get used to it. And so that's the movie industry for us. It follows that format. And it's got um, uh, some twists and turns. It's like a boy meets girl, a boy boy meets girl, a boy and girl meet. Boy and girl have work to do, and they don't care about each other. Boy and girl start eyeing each other. Boy and girl start fighting with each other. And then at the end of the movie, boy gets girl. That's one of them. So there's uh, there's just um, only a few storylines that they have. But the point that we're talking about is not what movies are really about. It's what we as an audience do with those movies when we're structuring our time. Mm 
and how we feel about it. Are we doing it just to waste time? Do we actually feel good by watching the movie or are we just simply being distracted from the way that we would feel if we weren't watching the movie, which is not particularly good because we've been thinking about all of the work that we have to do or out working. Okay. And so this is the whole point of the movie industry, but you can also see that the movie industry got started in the day when cameras were expensive, equipment was expensive, film was super expensive. Now that we have digital, we don't have the expense of the film and cameras are pretty cheap. So almost anybody can make a movie and it looks like almost everybody is. Because the number of movies that have come on the market in the past 10 years has literally exploded. The only thing that hasn't exploded is quality. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's exploded in the opposite direction. But but the point is, is that um, when we are watching movies, we have to keep track of what the mind is doing. Because and and but this is a way of beginning to watch the movies. Is that actually it's a very good Dhamma training in the sense of sort of you going along to get along, or you just uh, let us say the point of the movie from the director's position is to get you into the movie for you to become absorbed into it, yeah. which is exactly what we do. This is the way that I would use the word absorbed. So when I hear uh, uh, monks and others use the word for jhana as the word absorption, I'm saying, wait a minute, guys, you don't, you're, you're not understanding. We're using the word absorption completely differently here. Okay. Yeah. Absorbed actually is in a way of getting lost into something. And yeah. jhana is not getting lost. Jhana is waking up. And this is the way that we could actually practice is make sure that when we're watching a movie to not get absorbed into it. To recognize that this movie that we're playing on the on the laptop stays on the laptop. It does not come into the mind, invade the mind and stay. So that all that's happening in the mind is this movie and the mind is absorbed into the movie. Yeah, I can see that a lot too with uh, with the sort of sports commentary that I watch sometimes, mm -hmm. especially even like it's kind of even more clear because it's like it could be two guys and you already know that they're going to have typically the opposite opinion. So it's just going to be them like kind of one guy yelling really emphatically about his position and his team. The other guy yelling about, you know, his his position and his team sort of and you could tell it you're supposed to get wrapped up in either one of those. But there's uh -huh. a third. I like to take the third position and kind of like laugh at how worked up they're getting and not get worked up myself. I think it's funny how worked up they get. That's exactly right. So if uh, one is talking about Eagles and the other one is talking about Panthers and we don't even know what sport they're playing, okay, it doesn't even matter. But if this guy is talking about Eagles and I am a fan of Eagles, then everything that he says, I'm I'm in agreement with. And if he gets angry and hot, then I have to get angry and hot too because he's eagles, I'm eagles, we are eagles. Yeah. 
Exactly. On the other side, with the Panthers, if I hate the Panthers and anything that he says good about the Panthers, I'm going to think bad about the Panthers because I identify. Now, we could draw back and say, I'm not Panther, and not I am not I, and I am not equal. Therefore, what are these guys arguing about? Yeah. And then you can begin to say, oh, they're arguing in order for me to feel bad and to keep my attention. And if I don't mm-hmm. feel bad and they can't absorb and I don't get absorbed, then I could just flitter away. I don't have to watch yeah. these guys arguing. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, one of the guys was saying how he couldn't watch it anymore. He had to go around the corner and just listen and not look at his TV because he felt so bad. And I was like, I could tell, like, this essentially trying to get everybody to feel that way about, you know, this this whole situation uh-huh. with this team performing poorly. Um, but you don't have to you don't have to get into that. You could you could, I guess, you know, it, it, it in itself, it is that same form of entertainment where you just see two guys getting really excited about something. And so it gets you off of your problems and thinking about them being excited about this thing. OK, so. Yeah. So, in a way, we can say that in certain cases and in certain situations, since Dama dudes are going to be out doing what Dama dudes do, including watching movies and whatnot like that, now the Dama dude, if he is watching a movie, for whatever reason, instead of judging him or you not be doing that, the right way to approach it is by saying, okay, let's wake up. Let's watch what's going on. Let's make sure that you understand that the feelings that this video or this movie is evoking in you was intended by the director to make you feel a certain way. That in fact, your feelings while you're watching a movie, if you're absorbed into the movie, that you feel the way that the music wants you to feel. You feel the way that the people feel. Etc. like that. In other words, they set it up so that you have this protagonist or this hero and you're supposed to like him. And the antagonist is supposed to hate him. He's the villain. Why? Because at the end of the movie, the winner is going to be the hero. So they set all of this up knowing that they're setting the audience up. If the audience is wise, they can, instead of getting set up, they can see the setup. Yeah. All right. This is the value then of movies. The movies is, is that um, you could say that um, that art imitates life and life imitates art. Well, now we can say, OK, well, that means that if you really want to understand how to be free and not get absorbed into life is by being able to watch movies and be free of them and not get absorbed or drawn into them. All right, we don't have to get hooked. Uh, we don't yeah. have to get drawn in. These are the kind of words what, which when we mean drawn in or hooked, that means now I am the hero of that movie. Yeah, that's what they want. Or, or the, the heroine is a luscious babe all dolled up are in scanty clothes the whole movie and every woman and every girl who is watching that movie identifies with that heroine. That's the whole point of it. 
This is why we have the concept of movie stars where the same people would play this uh, different movies over and over and over again. So that within, let us say, a five year period of time, one actor could be in 15 or 20 movies. Mm -hmm. Why? Because individuals they know in the audience will identify first off with that actor and then they identify with the part that they're playing and then they're absorbed. And so it's an extra uh, way of doing it. So when you have big name stars in a movie, you're not only going to increase the box office, you're going to increase the emotional attachment of the people who are watching the movie. And that's what increases the price of them or the, uh, the, uh, the viewership. More people come and play more for the money because more and more people want to come get emotionally attached so that they feel good at the end of the movie. At what point of the uh, sort of maybe, you know, don't have to get as granular as Patichu Samupada, but like in terms of like, like you said, like there's like probably the liking factor. Like if we're talking about, you know, watching Brad Pitt or the girl watching Angelina Jolie, and then at what point does she start to attach to it? At what point does the mind start to cling to that, you know, and how do, and how do you it's kind of it's kind of like that same thing that we talked about before about the uh, I like it but I don't want it I guess like this is stage. exactly what we need to do with that with our own mind is to keep in mind that yes I like what I'm watching right now I do like this movie but I don't want anything to do with any of the people in it I don't want it that when this movie is off it's off and yeah. that it was just a movie. That was all it is. When we realize that, in fact, that not only are movies just movies, we begin to see that news broadcasts are just news broadcasts. And that most of human behavior is just humans behaving. And that's <laughs> all it basically is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that's a good when, point. When we see that that people are out there just peopling. They've been peopling all along. Then we don't have to get attached to the minutia of the movie that is, let us call it the history of the United States. It's just a movie. And you don't have to get attached to the politics of the United States where you have how many actors? You have Rand Paul and uh, Mitch McConnell and... Um, uh, Lindsey Graham as the villains, and you have the Biden and the Harris and all of that as the uh, victims, you know? And so you've got, it's just all a big movie. It's almost staged. Yeah, and I can see that. it's <laughs> staged to get people involved. It's staged to get people absorbed into it. I feel and like so, it becomes pretty clear when you like understand uh, like dukkha, like you know, like desire, you know, mm -hmm. like that kind of that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's pretty clear. Like people are just acting on these this instinctual behavior. When you start to understand the hurting behavior mentality and fear and all those different kinds of things, like it's clear why people why people do what they do mm -hmm. and why the movie's playing out in the way that it is. Right. That in fact, people are motivated by feelings and movies are all about 
feelings, that news is all about feelings. And in fact, they know it. They've got it wired. Uh, Hollywood knows about this, too. In fact, um, uh, news media and Hollywood are the same industry. That people move back and forth between one part of that industry and another. But there's one thing that they do have in common, and that is if it bleeds, it leads. War movies are good movies. Get people excited. Okay, that's the whole point then of these entertainment systems. Now, the thing that's really interesting is, is that 100 years ago, this whole industry that we're talking about hardly existed as an entertainment industry. 100 years ago, it was real. So you would have things like vaudeville and traveling circuses and all of that kind of stuff as the entertainment. And you would have newspapers as part of the uh, material, but you still had drama all along. But now that we have technology coming in, the, uh, the media industry has grown significantly. I would say that, that uh, the average person in 1900 spent maybe 10 minutes on media. But fast forward 120 years later and your average person in the United States will probably spend an hour and a half to two hours a day on media. Maybe even more. Some people spend all day on media. Yeah. They didn't have that opportunity 100 years ago. There just weren't that many newspapers in town. Well, what were they spending their uh, one to two hours on, I guess? Fighting with each other instead of watching each other fight. So the same human behavior and <laughs> nothing changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> That's right. Nothing has changed very much. That's the whole point that humans are still just humaning. Yeah. Now, there's one thing that does change. This is kind of an important point for us to keep track of, and that is, is that overall, in time, knowledge is spreading. Wisdom is spreading. It's coming out. There have been many, many centuries without any media to where the powers were keeping uh, people ignorant on purpose. But the Catholic Church actually kept an entire civilization ignorant for a thousand years. They were very good at it. But the printing press blew the doors off of that. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, the printing press? That means that now information is becoming more and more available. This is exactly the reasons why Christians and many other religious groups do not want to have secular education for their kids. It's because they do not want their kids educated with the facts. They want their kids educated either in the Christian school or in the madras so that they can control those kids by controlling their knowledge. Well, yep. Uh, if you recognize, well, wait a minute, now we've got the entertainment industry, they're going to blow the doors off of that and all the knowledge in the world is going to be readily available. The answer to that is no, because the entertainment industry is not interested in spreading knowledge, they're interested in making money. 
and because of that, they're not interested in educating the uh, the society. They're interested in keeping the society emotionally attached to, absorbed in, and being led around the nose by the media. So we're not talking about an education that media gives. We're talking about a real education to where people begin to wake up to what media is doing to them. That's the real education. The real education is to see what's going on behind the scenes or seeing how um, one of the examples, in fact, this happens possibly in at least 90% of all horror movies. The same scene is in every movie. What is it? The scene of uh, one of the uh, newly becoming victims is walking down the hall that's the scene. Except in the horror movies, listen to the music that they're playing. Getting it in the minds of the audience. Everyone in the audience is saying, you stupid girl, don't go down that hall. It's dangerous down there. Listen to the music they're playing. Well, the girl doesn't hear the music they're playing. That's movie music that they're playing, right? <laughs> and so everybody is terrified as this girl sneaks or walks down or, or in trepidation slowly walks down this hall. She gets to the door, she opens it, and there's nothing there. Or it's her friend or something innocuous or maybe a joke or whatever like that. And three um, 30, 30 seconds to an hour, a minute and a half, maybe three minutes of music playing while a girl walked down the, uh, the hall and the whole audience is freaked out. But a good uh, Dama dude, when he sees that particular kind of scene, he's like, there we go again. We're supposed to be afraid. Listen to the music that they're playing. Watch the girl walk down the hall and guess what? Nothing's going to be there at the end of that door. They do this at every movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so we're now talking about getting a meta view or open up and we recognize that not only in every horror movie is a girl walking down the hall with scary music playing. That's basically the entire story of, say, um, uh, what's her name? Rachel Maddow. That's her whole story. Her whole life is playing weird music while she's walking down the hall and there's nothing there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, when we begin to understand that movies uh, are not there for us like there's, we, we would think, if we're going to be ordinary people, then the movie is there for entertainment, it's there for absorption, it's there to get our mind off of things. But for the Dhamma dude, this is, watching a movie is a wakey-wakey call. Watch how you feel, watch how they want you to feel. Watch what's going on in there and notice all of this stuff and you'll get a, a real education. Your average movie is quite educational to see how the movie makers are trying to manipulate us the way that we feel. So if you if you kind of get the mind fit for work so you feel good and you watch the movie and you watch out for the movie trying to make you not feel good, but then if the mind is fit for work, then you can kind of start to pick up on smaller details that other people is not are not going to pick up on while they're absorbed in it. That's and, exactly uh, right. Yeah. I was going to ask you about... Uh, yeah, go ahead. 
Okay, uh, hang hang on to that because you just opened the door to make another point, and that is is that while we are absorbed in uh, a movie, then we're really not watch, watching what's being going on behind the scenes because we're too absorbed in it. The same thing happens in real life. So that we go around getting absorbed in the world rather than seeing how the world is trying to affect the way we feel. So we could actually use movies as a training ground for dudes so that they can unhitch their, their feelings while they're watching the movies. Then they can unhitch their feelings while they're living in the world because it's the same thing. Yeah. Only one's more of a toy in the sense of um, uh, the movie is is more of a training. So look at every movie as a training movie or a training film for how to watch a movie and feel good. Rather than watch a movie and feel the way that the movie people who made the movie want you to feel. Yeah, I guess it's, it's, you're saying it's kind of like a. A real life simulator. Like kind of so you can Precisely. you can go through you can go through some uh, let's say you're watching a prison movie <laughs> you could you go to prison and, and simulate that experience and not feel bad about it and maybe if you really do go to prison you could and not have feel some bad about it at all exactly yeah. but the whole point about making a prison movie is you're supposed to feel like you're in prison with all of the bad feelings that are associated with prison I mean prison is a place to punish. Therefore, watching a prison movie means you feel punished. Mm -hmm. Instead of watching the movie the way that the Dama dude would and say, look at that. They're trying to make me feel bad. They're trying to punish. Yeah. And I'm not buying it. Yeah, exactly. I do have so I do get some of those thoughts, too, because like you'll see somebody get sent to the hole or you'll see, uh, you know, something gruesome happen. But. You can kind of step back and say, well, if you just change your mind right now, then you don't have to really feel that bad about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, in that case, that movie is not real. So what you saw on the on this, uh, the film was uh, the door to what they call the hole. You see the guy in and you see them closing the door. Then they play some freaky music. And that makes everyone feel like, oh, he's being punished now and he will be punished for a long time. Ain't it awful? And the answer is no. All you saw was a guy walking in a door closing and you heard some music playing and you did everything else yourself. Yeah, I'm also talking about uh, I also been watching like this uh, 60 days in. So it's like reality. It's like real. So it's like in the jail or supposed to be real. And, And, you know. It's an interesting show because they get these, they get a contestant, a person to go in there like myself or anybody else, any other person to go in and pretend to be an inmate with the rest of the people in jail mm-hmm. um, and, and follow them that way. And so obviously a lot of like the regular people that aren't like criminals or whatever, or haven't committed any crime, a lot of them really struggle to, to, you know, Make to to survive in jail, I guess, and to mm-hmm. not break down and, and quit. A lot of them just quit and tap out and say they can't handle it. Um. Yeah, that's 
that's why they want it to be a drama. They, in fact, one of the qualities of um, movies is is that my life is not nearly as much tragedy as we have on this movie. Therefore, let me forget my little tragedy so that I can watch a really big tragedy. Yeah. That my little tragedy doesn't make me feel bad enough. Let me watch a movie that's got a real tragedy on it so I can really feel bad. <laughs> and yeah. that way we can see that humans in, in many cases are addicted to their bad feelings. I noticed that in myself, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why I would watch that show. Like, you know, that's that's really like my worst nightmare. Like, I couldn't think of a worse situation to put yourself in. <laughs> okay. Or, Here's I mean, another could, way but... of looking at it. That, that instead of looking at it as the worst situation that you could put yourself in, there's another way of looking at it. And that is looking at it is, is that if I were in that situation, I can handle this. I'd be okay. Put me in that prison. Go ahead, put me in that hole. And I'm going to sit there and I want to enjoy my time. You know, free food, <laughs> yeah. not getting beat up. Get a little privacy. Yeah. And everything's going to be all right. So we begin to think in that positive way. You could actually begin to use the movie um, as an opportunity for Anapanasati to gladden one's mind when they say, aha, look at them. They're trying to make me feel really bad because they put that guy in the hole. And me, if they put me in the hole, I could enjoy it. But wouldn't we be better off, uh, I guess, not going into that training ground where we're trying to simulate bad feelings or simulate potential for bad feelings and just not be but there and then get good feelings? bad feelings. We're taking that as an opportunity to not take the invitation yeah. for bad feelings. If we can get pretty good at not accepting the invitation to bad feelings from a movie, then we might be able to do that with a boss or even a politician. That if that yeah. movie cannot make me feel bad, then that cop can't make me feel bad too. So, so do you recommend uh, seeking out the, the movie meditation then? <laughs> no, what I am recommending that if you watch a movie, watch it wisely. Okay. Whatever you do, do it wisely. I'm not saying that movies are good or movies are bad. I'm not even saying <laughs> that people have gotten in this. It sounds very Christian. In fact, Christians didn't want movies played on Sunday. Competition with going to church, I think. I didn't like that one growing up. <laughs> well, that was the whole point of the blue laws. You can't sell anything. In South Carolina, when I was a kid, grocery stores, pharmacies, everything was closed on Sunday. Mm. Now it's just Chick-fil-A. I don't know why they called them blue. Now it's just Chick-fil-A that does that. Now what? <laughs> now it's just, it's just Chick-fil-A that does that. I don't know about that one, but I do know that... Have you never heard of Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. yes, that's a, uh, um, a fast food that sells chicken, and the owners are hardcore right-wingers. 
I yeah, I guess so. I or as opposed to chicken wingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kanye made a uh someone made a song about them. It was like closed on a Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Well, that's very interesting because that would be 2020s mentality as opposed to the 1950s mentality where everything was closed. Everything was closed. Mm-hmm. And so things are much more open now. That, in fact, goes back to something that we were talking about before about education. That um, Martin Luther King made a statement the arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Have you ever heard of that expression? From you, yes. Yeah. Oh, you haven't <laughs> heard? Okay, well, it's quite famous. All right. But, well, I was saying I've heard it from you, but yeah. Pardon? I said I've heard it from you yeah. before, yes. Yeah. But I'm surprised that you haven't heard it Elsewhere. other places. It's possible. I mean, I just forgot, but yeah. All right. The problem is, is that it's not justice but that is human knowledge that the arc of the human and it's not the arc of the universe it's the um the arc of humanity is Mm -hmm. bending towards increased knowledge there have been times uh, big big tragedies where we lost a huge amount of human knowledge but basically it keeps increasing and we can say then that um writing was one of the major changes in human ignorance that when we started doing cure forms when the uh uh egyptians started their hieroglyphics that was a form of writing that was a form of being able to preserve and transmit knowledge then uh fast forward to the to the gutenberg printing press and that printing press that knowledge that the printing press then in fact it wasn't just the bible but there was all kinds of religious tracts and political pieces that were uh published and then posted all over and that there was um this actually started a war it was a hundred years war lasted a hundred years they say half the population of Northern Europe was wiped out. Mm. And, the, and the war was between the Catholic Church and the Protestants. And the issue was again over knowledge. So then now we fast forward and we have uh, in the 20th century, we have what is called modern education has come in but there's been a lot of resistance to that and then the most recent thing in this century has been the internet and that um as humanity has uh, gone to the internet they have actually found a lot of lies ill will uh politically motivated um falsehoods But by and large, the internet is of enormous value to people because now we have um, open knowledge that is valuable. An example of that for the the Buddhist is is that 20 years ago, getting a hold of any translation of any suttas 
was a hard one thing. And in fact, it was in 1995 when uh, the Majima Nikaya was published. Before that, it was like only Polytech Society, and you had to buy the whole set that cost hundreds of dollars. So only um, uh, universities and big temples could afford a set. But now the entire Tripitaka is online. Anybody can get a hold of it. The same thing with Google Books that uh, uh, the Google has, in fact, put online almost all of the library that has uh, fallen out of um, uh, copyright. And so huge amounts of volumes of good literature is there. We also know that the media is full of lies, that politics is full of lies, but people don't stay in just politics and media when they're on the Internet. There's a whole lot of other good stuff. The Stanford puts a lot of educational films up and all that kind of stuff that we didn't have before. So uh, the, the kids are going to be getting more and more information and the more information, the more real information they have, the closer then to reality that they'll live and the closer they are to the Dhamma because the Dhamma is reality. I was going to ask you like sort of a philosophical question, I guess, like if you say that maybe you know because we said like this arc of the universe or the arc of humanity which i think kind of implies like you have like a beginning point and maybe that beginning point you could say if you go really far back maybe you had a a form of human that did not do the whole like recognizing thing and they were just like sort of on the bear taking in taking in nature or taking in uh reality at one time any... humanity had to learn to speak yeah at one time sign language and grunting wasn't enough but at at one time sign language and grunting was enough because before that there was only grunting and not so much sign language and so they began to have sign language and grunting, and then sign language and grunting became syntax, and then the vocabularies come, and then now we've got human language. This is that arc. Now, looking at the word arc, I think is what you were doing there, was, uh, was talking about it in the sense that things are changing. Things are always changing. Things are not going as we expect in a straight line. That line bends and turns and wiggles and moves. There's an arc to it and yeah, well, what i was going to say humanity that... is going towards education it's going towards wisdom it's going towards knowledge and it's coming out of ignorance but it's going to be slow it's a long slow curve but look at just what's happening in the past 20 years they say in fact since the internet came about in about mid 1990s since that time uh, Christian church attendance in the United States and in Europe has taken a nosedive. Why is that? Is the uh, the answer is is that the kids who are on the internet are beginning to wake up to the fact that they have been lied to, and yeah. so they're they're uh, more than likely to leave the church now than they were in the 1950s, because in the 1950s, when the kids were lied to, we didn't have any alternate sources of information. 
now the kids have the internet as well as availability of other literature. And so when the kids see this is what they're telling us in church, and this is what I can see in reality, which am I going to choose? And oftentimes then the kids will choose reality over what they were taught in church. Yeah, now what I was trying to ask was that sort of like, where do you think that the that arc will end? Sort of, you think it ends somewhere maybe related to the Dhamma or like, you know, the noble truths, because those don't really change. So that's like a truth that if people come to realize it, then it's like, it doesn't change, so. Um, it's really hard to get that kind of statistics. We do know that in the time of the Buddha that he made a major impact upon that area of India and that that impact lasted for centuries and centuries. We also can see that that may happen also, that if we can get beyond our understanding of Buddhism in the sense of Western Buddhism, uh, which got to come first, okay? Anytime that you have an egg delivered, it always comes in a shell, right? Yeah. But in order to use the egg, you have to break the shell. Okay, so Western Buddhism is the shell that is the container in the holder for the noble Buddha Dhamma. Mm -hmm. And yet all they've got is eggshell. <laughs> so they don't know yeah. how to crack it open. But there is the real egg inside. Okay, so this is basically what we mean now is, is that there's an awful lot of eggs going out. There's a lot of people getting interested in Western Buddhism. All we now need to do is have the education of how to crack that egg open. Which is the missing ingredient that we've been talking about that's missing in all of these cases. It's missing in the Vedrayana, it's missing in the Zen, it's missing in the, uh, um, uh, the Theravada of Mahasi. What is it that's missing? That is, is that we have to actually change the contents of the mind in this moment. Just like going back to the movie, that people who live uh, in normal Western Buddhism, they don't see the distinction in this movie between uh, watching the movie like everybody else does and becoming absorbed in the movie. That's what Western Buddhists do. But Buddhists do have the ability to say, hey, wait a minute, wake up and start looking at how this movie is trying to make you feel a certain way. Are you going to go along and become absorbed in that and just feel the way that they want you to feel? Or are you going to wake up? And that's the beginning of the real Dhamma then is that wake up to don't go along with the way that you've been feeling just because that's the way that you're in the habit of feeling or that you've been trained to. That we need to have that wake up call that you can change the way that you're thinking right now. Yeah. But you see the, uh, the Western Buddhist that we've been talking about, they still don't understand that they've got to break that egg open right now. They think that if they keep the egg long enough, it will turn golden. He sit on it. 
Yeah, if they shut on their egg. Exactly. <laughs> if they shut yeah. on their egg long enough, it will become golden. 10,000 yeah. hours. Right. <laughs> 20,000 hours of meditation. And guess what to makes that egg, that egg golden? Shakti pot. <laughs> magical ceremonies yeah. are going one after another after another trying to make that egg golden where in fact what we really need to do is to crack it open and enjoy the fact that we've got uh, uh, dinner we've got some nourishment here and so this is the um, a point about watching movies or uh, entertainment is is that we can use this and we can use it exactly the way that Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa talks about using illness. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa says if you get sick, if your body is ill, if you're not well, that's merely nothing but a new opportunity to practice the Dhamma. You know, I'm actually um so two things is like I want to talk about is that I want to ask you about because we talked about the absorption and getting absorbed in the work. I'm sorry, getting absorbed in watching the movie. So I want to know, like, maybe some uh, just going going back into how how to not get absorbed when you're doing work, like working on a a model or something like that, or you're doing research or something like that. And if something like is per, if something doesn't add up to you, like, how do you what what are you looking to do in those moments? Are you just you know what what can you do in those moments to not get absorbed? Because I feel like when I do when I like go to the computer, even if I'm in a good state, I go to the computer, I'll like be there in the computer, like I'll be on the website, like doing the work. And then like, I'll like wake up like, oh, I wasn't like watching my feelings at for those last few minutes there. And I noticed that that'll happen. Um, what do you do you try and actively um, maybe watch your feelings while you're doing the work? Maybe is a is how you would go about it in the same way you'd watch how you're feeling when you're watching the movie. Right. And make sure you don't feel the way that the movie wants you to feel like making sure that you don't get the feeling of confusion or you don't get the feeling of uh, doubt on when you're doing the work. Kind of just monitor your feelings while you're working. Well, let's look at it from two different perspectives. The first perspective is um, to look at it in the sense of uh, how. That like in the work. How we get absorbed in the work is basically the same way as how we get absorbed into the movie. Uh -huh. And that we're talking about then the thought comes of, oh, I'm not going to be absorbed in this movie. I'm going to watch how it uh, is supposedly making me feel while I can feel the way that I want to while I'm watching the movie. Then, in fact, what I'm saying is, aha, look at what he said there. He's making this girl feel bad. And things like this. All right. But there's also more to it than that. And that is, is that let us change it as from the example of watching a movie into working. And now we're absorbed in the work, we're watching the work. And then something happens and we remember. That would be a good opportunity for us to use that sati to take a second or a moment or a minute and close the eyes and take a deep breath and to monitor how we feel and to get ourselves back into a really good state. And then we open our eyes and continue to work on the, the laptop. So that's one of the ways of looking at it. 
So we could do that with the movies also, in the sense of we're watching the movie, we did get absorbed in it, and then we can say, wait a minute, I'm waking up now, let me take a deep breath, let me come out of that movie, and now I can go back and start watching the uh, watching what's going on, but not get absorbed in it, but watching it from the outside. Okay. Yeah. And so now, while I'm watching the movie, I can take a deep breath, close my eyes, feel really good, and then come back and start watching the movie again. This time, I'm completely detached from it. I'm aloof to it. I'm above the movie. The movie yeah. is there, and I am here, and I'm not lost in space or of that movie. Okay? So this is one of the whole ways of looking at it. There's another way of looking at it. And that's the, um, let me give you this example. Here you have a computer person who is working on their computer, maybe writing code, and now they're absorbed in the writing of the code, and someone comes in the room. The boss comes in. Uh -huh. Okay. But the coder is not paying any attention to the boss. He's not there. He's absorbed in his business. Okay. If he were really awake, then when that person came into the room, he would have been awake enough to notice that they were there, dealt with them, and then gone back easily to it. But, uh, People get startled. You can actually be dishwasher. I've seen this happen to dishwashers. For some reason, it really happens to dishwashers. I like dishwashers. What do I do with dishwashers? I just walk up behind them <laughs> and wait to see how long it takes them to figure out that I'm there. And normally, when they do figure out that I'm there, they do it with a jump or a jerk or a startle or a surprise. Yeah. Okay. Why? Because they weren't paying attention. So the question is, is, can you actually be watching a movie and not be so absorbed in it so that anything else happens, you're right there for it. We're talking about a process of anapanasati or meditation to come out of the mind into the senses so that we're really here now for whatever is happening in the here now. Where absorption means that we're stuck into something and we can't come out of it when we need to. We get stuck in a movie. We become absorbed into it. And so often you could say that uh, that you're in a movie, you're absorbed into a movie, you're watching the movie, you're interested in the movie, you're feeling the way that the movie makers want you to feel, and then the cops come and bang on your door. The way you're dealing with those cops is going to be with the same mindset that you dealt with the movie. And in fact, you may not even hear the cops at the door until they bust in. All right, because you're absorbed in the movie, you're not paying attention. But a good Domadou can be watching that same movie and he knows the cops are there while they're driving down the block to his house. Because his, his peripheral awareness is there. That's something that we can actually practice is to get into, let us say, in a, in a city like uh, in Chicago, go to a public park and just start absorbing everything that's coming rather than focusing on one little thing like a movie or focusing on one little thing like a conversation or what's on your laptop that you spend your whole time there 
trying to take in as much stuff as you can, especially in the sense of watching the gate for who's coming into the park. So that if anybody new comes into the park, you know that somebody new is coming to the park. But you don't have to watch the gate. But you do have to have the gate out of the corner of your eye. So that any movement over there in that gate or any movement over here in the gate, you can tell that movement. And so yeah. we're talking about expanding our peripheral awareness, not just with the eyes, but also with the mind. To expand our peripheral awareness so that our peripheries become part of our reality. Where the whole idea of absorption means that we're closing out a great deal of periphery of the reality so that we're focusing down on just a little tiny bit of reality. That's what absorption means. Okay. An example yeah. of that is putting few drops of water onto a cloth and trying to get that cloth to absorb the water, where most of the water initially would just go off of that cloth. Mm -hmm. Doesn't get absorbed. Okay. That's how we have to look at things. We need to stop looking at absorbing or taking things in or immersing ourselves into something, but rather keeping that distance so that we can keep our peripheral vision open. And that that helps by what exactly? How does that help us to like not get caught off guard and Why? Because we're here now, because if we actually see something coming at a distance out of our peripheral vision, then we'll be ready for it when it arrives. Mm -hmm. It already has arisen, already has arrived. And so we're there kind of Johnny on the spot, as opposed to getting snuck up on. This is basically what we're talking about here. Is don't let Duca or anyone else sneak up on you. Be here now, be alert, watch what's going on, notice what's in your environment. So this is that second quality. One is that we want to wake up in the moment to see how we feel about what we're doing. But the second one is to make sure that you're not closed off to everything around us. That in fact, what we're looking for here is to become much more alert to the environment that we're in, rather than off in mental space and not paying attention. Yeah. Does that uh, also go hand in hand with kind of trying to just like take it in instead of conceptualize? It's gotten really, really noisy right now. <laughs> I can't hardly hear you at all. Yeah, your audio sounds right, a little right different now. Yard. Oh, okay. I can't hear it, just, which is good. Oh, you can't, you, you don't hear the uh, the machine? That's interesting. I, I can hear, uh, I think I can hear the process that's trying to prevent me from hearing that. I can. Well, maybe the, the uh, microphones are better than my hearing. I think it's doing a good job because I can't hear any of the, the distortion you're mentioning or the, the noise back there. But um, no, I was just saying that's I'm just, you know, looking at also like the, the concept of like not conceptualizing and 
and just taking it, taking things in, like you said, go to a park and kind of just take in everything that's going on as a part of the practice. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So open up our peripheral vision, open up the body, becoming aware of all the touches and the sensations and the feelings and everything like this. Um, <clears throat> this is actually what is referred to then as the flood of sensory awareness. When we are really okay. little children, the, the baby is absolutely flooded by sensory awareness. And so part of the process of growing up is to learn how to fil- filter out sensory awareness so that we can pay attention to a particular thing, which is yeah. a good thing for the children to do. But the problem with it is, is that the children then get out of uh, trying to develop an open awareness and so they go towards more of a focused awareness as if that was a better kind of uh, way to do it. In that regard, then, little children stop paying attention to how their body feels. An example of that is, is when a baby, uh, a toddler, falls down, he cries because it hurts. But three or four years later, that same child will fall down in exactly the same way. But now he's uh, much more interested in, did he get seen? Who saw him fall? Are they laughing at him? What's going on? And then he's more interested in what's going on in his mind than what's going on in his body. And he's not really paying attention to the, the fact that this time he felt exactly the way that he did two years ago, but two years ago he was paying attention to how he's feeling, and now he's paying attention to the event of falling rather than the feelings of falling. Mm. Okay. All right, so this is what happens with us, is that we begin now to stop paying attention to what's going on physically, uh, peripherally around us, and we start thinking about it instead. So we begin as human beings to stop living in the world that we live in and start living in a world of thought. And we begin to live a world thinking about what we're doing rather than just actually doing it. So um, with the Anapanasati anapana, anapana practice, when we are, you know, breathing in, taking these deep breaths, and we're having like thoughts about how wonderful it is to be breathing this breath, how how do you incorporate sort of that aspect of opening up to it also? Like do you kind of just just like well, also look for that, like the feeling of the body? Exactly, that's exactly what the Anapanasati practice is right from the very beginning. Is to recognize that the thoughts that we are having are probably thoughts of the past, thoughts of the future, or thoughts of someplace else that are not thoughts about the here now. When we begin to change that to having thoughts about the here now, that means that we begin to open up and pay attention to what's happening in the here now. This is what the whole point of step three of Anapanasati is about, is experiencing the whole body. Except that when most people here experiencing the whole body, they only think about touch. But that's the entire experience of the body is just merely touch. 
But there's a whole lot more to our sensory input than just merely touch. An example of it is proprioceptic, which um, you probably heard in the Mahasi method of rising, falling, touching, sitting. Rising, falling, touching, sitting. Okay, the touching is what we're talking about in one sense, but the sitting. When you are sitting with your eyes closed, how do you know you're sitting? You can actually experience your body's positions without mm -hmm. looking at them. When you're laying in bed, if, you're, if your uh, legs are crossed or whatever body posture you're in, you know that without having to look in a mirror to see where your body is positioned. How do you know that it's positioned where it's positioned? How do we know this? The answer is that there is some deep, uh, what is called proprioceptic neurological sensing system built in that keep us informed exactly where our hand is. And when we train as athletes, that training gets really strongly refined so that the, uh, we can play baseball with it. We know exactly what we're doing. The same thing is true, and in fact, there's some very strange similarities between the practice of playing golf and then and the art of archery. All of it has to do with this proprioceptic sense awareness of really, really being here now with the body, so that you do the exact of holding the arrow up while you're grasping the arrow. You bring the arrow in with the bow out like this, you bring it down together like this, and then you pull the bow out and let the arrow fly. And this is an exact procedure that they practice over and over and over and over again, very slowly, and then begin to speed it up. Then, in fact, then in the art of archery is very similar to learning how to play the piano. With the idea that drawing the bow, placing the arrow, letting the arrow fly, is all the archer has to do. But you see, in Western archery, in the old English bowmen and the way that we look, we're not interested in how that arrow got off the bow. We're interested in where the arrow landed. And right. so, and so the uh, the human is uh, not the human. The Western mindset is, I am the arrow. And where that arrow lands, that is where I am. So if it hits the target, then that's the important part. With then in the art of archery, the form of the movements of the body become the important thing. And where the arrow lands is not up to the archer. That's up to the arrow. That in fact, in many of the ceremonies, after the archer has uh, uh, let the arrow fly, He's uh, changing his posture and actually walks off of the uh, dais or the stage or whatever he is standing at and not even bothering to look where the arrow is going to, is still in flight and hasn't, it's his target yet. And in the West, everybody's saying, is it, where's the arrow? Where's the arrow? Is it going to hit? Yeah, it hit the target. And then we don't care whether the arrow hits the target or not. We're more, much more interested in how do we do the job? What is H movement? Okay, so this is how we begin to understand Anapanasati is getting in touch with what's really going on, not what's going to happen. Yeah. The way the Western mentality is, is what's going to happen? Where's the arrow going to land?
but with our um, Anapanasati is much more with what's happening right now. What's the body doing? What are all of the features and the uh, positions of the body? Now, the same thing actually is with golf, and you can probably see that if you read the golf magazines, the first thing that everybody will tell you is that you cannot learn golf from a book. That you have to actually have a trainer that's going to stand there and say, okay, put your elbows a little bit in further. Lock this finger with that finger. Hold the, uh, the, the club exactly this way. Pull it up with your elbows being exactly in this position. And so they continually teach the students how to swing the golf club. And the swinging of the club then is much more important than where the ball lands. Yeah. All right. But if people are out just playing golf and they're not interested in uh, real golf, they're just playing golf because they want to know where the ball lands. They're not interested in all of the forms and procedures of everything. And for that reason, they will never become champions at playing golf because they're interested in the score. Where the, uh, a real professional golfer or one who is really interested in the game is going to be interested in doing it correctly. That's okay where we're going now is we're trying to get this moment correct by opening up the senses. And so we're paying attention to what the body's doing. Well, guess what? All of the senses are associated with the body. We don't think of the eyes as part of the mind. We think of the eyes as part of the body. We don't think of the ears as part of the mind. We think of the ears as part of the body in this respect. So when we're talking about being aware of what the body is doing, we're talking about hearing, sensory awareness. We're talking about vision. We're talking about touch. We're talking about proprioceptic. We're talking about any way that we can get input from the outside world into the senses in this instant. This is what we're talking about. Literally be here now means be here now with the senses. You can't be here now if your senses are closed. Yeah. You can't be here now if this sense is closed because another sense door is open. What is that other sense door? The mind is spinning and spinning and spinning. And if we're always paying or, or let us say momentarily for a consistency, spinning and spinning and spinning, always spinning right here in this particular moment, if somebody can walk right up to me, I'm washing dishes and I'm paying attention to my job and everything, and all of a sudden my master's walked right up behind me and his face is right here. And all I have to do is look out of the corner of my eye and my boss is, he's right there. How did that happen? Did he fly in here? No, he got here while I wasn't paying any attention to what's going on. Yeah. So in a way, we can say then that uh, the Zen master, that's the whole point of the Zen stick. Why do they have a Zen stick? What's the point? The Zen master is going to hit the guy who doesn't know the Zen master is there. If he's deep into some absorption, if he's deep in meditation, or if he's lost in thought, then he's going to get whacked. Yep. But if he's sitting there alert and bushy-tailed and raring to go, when the Zen master comes behind him, he's going to raise his posture just a little fraction of an inch. The Zen master is going to see that, and he says, this guy's good to go. Next, please. 
Ah, you're not knowing that I'm behind you. Whack. Wakey, wakey. The whole point about waking up, if you think about the word wakey, wakey, when we wake up in the morning, what does that mean? It means to wake up and become in our sensory awareness and stop being in our dreams, to stop daydreaming, to stop dreaming about things, and just be here now. How are we here now? In our senses, taking in sensory data. And so a lot of Anapanasati is the wake up to be here now, literally, which means to come out of the mind into the sensory awareness. To start looking instead of start and, and, and not thinking so much. To keep looking, keep watching, keep noting. Yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of like. Uh, it's kind of like because the whole point is to be able to get into this first jhana where you are here, where you're really here now, and then you can go about living life like fully here throughout the world with everything that's going on, like you'd be in the world and uh, and feel really good instead of having to rely on being secluded for a really long period of time. And then when you come to the world, you can't handle it, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, you know, and and because if you are just in the senses, because if you go into the mind, then that's where all the bad feelings are, right? In the past and all the mm -hmm. things that you could, all the nightmares or dreams that you could dream up is in the mind. But if you're just in the senses, then you could maintain control of what you're feeling and then you could flourish and do whatever it is that you need to do in the world. Mm -hmm. Exactly always with the attitude so let us say the situation is is that somebody spent three years in a retreat off into the hamayas or whatever like that and that if they are actually in sensory awareness if they are actually practicing correctly then the kind of thoughts that they're having is i can handle this this is marvelous now, if you've ever been in seclusion for long, long periods of time, there you can even imagine, if you haven't, that people who are doing that will get bored if they're not aware of the fact that they've gotten bored. If they are aware that they've gotten bored, then in fact, that happened to me at one time, and um, after the boredom really set in and and having large scale thoughts about why am I in Thailand when I could go back and make money in the United States, you know, those kind of thoughts. And um, but the wake up came in the sense that, look, I'm bored. Boredom is a hindrance. The mind is hindered. That only means that I'm not practicing correctly. Yeah. And that was the wake up. It took that kind of wake up. Wait a minute. I'm bored because I'm not practicing correctly. And so I started yeah. practicing correctly. And guess what? No more boredom. Yeah, I had an experience with that kind of actually today because I was like practicing and then I, I think I, I, I was like, OK, like I'm going to stop now. And I was asking myself, why am I stopping right now? It's because I was feeling not really exuberant. And I was like, not feeling exuberant is a 
hindrance. So mm-hmm. let's now let's t- right. change the breath and let's. This change is the exuberance, thoughts. but it's not good enough exuberance. <laughs> yeah. I use the uh, the the permission I, that, that I feel like that really uh, when I start thinking about giving myself permission to feel um, the way I want to feel, essentially, mm-hmm. then I started feeling that way. And it was nice. Yes, exactly. That that's the whole wake up call is to wake up and realize that when we are in the mind, we are going to be in the habits of being in the mind, including all of the feelings that were associated with that. But that's the whole point about the movie is the movie is there to keep one, even though you've got central awareness and hearing what's happening in the movie, 90 percent of the brain's activity is actually in the mind, following the plot, keeping track of everything. Adama dude is much more going to be in the central awareness of actually watching the screen, watching the scene changes, noticing what the camera is picking up. And recognizing the incongruencies and things like that. And uh, an example of that is a period movie that has period clothing. And that easily it's seen that 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 period clothing was made on modern machines. Uh. That they didn't have uh, 300-year-old clothing that was manufactured the way that clothing was manufactured 300 years ago. They're manufacturing old clothes with new machines. Why would you expect a movie maker to do otherwise? Why would they hand stitch clothes just for the authenticity of a movie when nobody in the audience is going to be looking at how the clothing is made anyway? They're interested in the action of the screen. It's only a Dama dude who's going to notice that, wait a minute, these these period clothing here that these people are wearing is artificial <laughs> it's not real mm-hmm. it's made with modern cloth modern cloth uh manufactured in modern ways with modern machines just made to look old hmm. yeah so these are the kind of things that we would pick up on if we're actually in sensory awareness one frame after the other after the other after the other noticing what's really there but they don't want you to do that in the movie. They don't want you to pay much close attention to what's actually going on. They want you to pay attention to the story they're trying to tell you to get you all emotionally involved in that story instead of watching what's really going on in that movie. Yeah. So, so one is in his mind thinking about what he's supposed to be thinking about according to the movie maker, so they've got him absorbed into that movie. But the Dharma dude is going to be watching the movie and and seeing what's really there because he's no longer uh, wrapped in the movie, ab- attached to it, absorbed by it in his mind. Now he's merely in this present moment watching scene by scene by scene of this movie. Taking it frame by frame, watching what's going on at movie speed. I mean, we don't have to put it down to quarter speed or anything. We just watch it at the normal speed. But now we're seeing camera angles, views, other things like that, that people are not uh, intended to pay attention to. Here's an exact example of that. In Japan, they have a particular kind of puppeteers. 
to where the puppets are actually quite big. The puppets themselves are operated not with wires the way that they do with hand puppets in, in the West, but they're operated by sticks. That the puppeteers are standing are uh, sitting exactly behind the puppets and they're always dressed in black. But the puppeteers themselves are right there on the stage and the audience is not supposed to pay attention to the puppeteers. They're supposed to be watching the puppets. Yeah. Okay. So you could do that with Western puppeteers. That whenever you see the puppeteer, don't watch the puppets dance. Watch the puppeteer and what he's doing. That's another way of thinking about it. These these movies don't watch what the puppets of the movie are doing. Watch the puppeteer, the director who made that movie. Yeah, I feel like you could also uh, what I, I was just having a thought that like. You could take this sort of a. A step further than than just watching what about the movie, but what I'm like, what I feel like is like when you're. The only time that I do that you do like forget the breath or you don't you aren't controlling your breath. Is going to be when you're getting absorbed in something else typically, right? Precisely. So. So if you if you sort of take that position of I am here in the present with the sensory object as opposed to getting absorbed into what it is, then even through the movie or through your daily life activity, like we talk about washing our hands, things like that, if you come to the senses, then now instead of getting lost in the story of I got to make it to work so I can't wash my hands right now or I can't wash my breath right now, you actually get away from all the drama of the drama of life and uh, can wash the breath instead and wash your hands and things like that. Okay, here's another way of saying it then. When one is watching a movie, that's normal. The way the movie wakers want it. They want you to watch the movie. So I'm watching a movie. But the Dhamma dude is not doing that. He's watching the watcher. All right, he's not watching the movie. He's watching the watching of the movie. That's the difference, okay, is to come out of being absorbed in the movie and just be here watching the movie as well as seeing if this is input from the eyes, this is input from the ears. This is all a directed movie, but it's not the only thing that happens because I'm in a room and I've got a body and I'm here now and I'm continuing to breathe. You see, when we're, when we're lost in the movie, when we're absorbed in the movie, we're not thinking about breathing, we're not thinking about being here, we're not thinking about sitting on the chair, we're not thinking about anything. We're lost in the movie. We're not here now, we're in the movie. It's kind of funny though, it reminds me of like, uh, I almost want to say like, like when you bring uh, like a parent, like, my, like if I were to bring my dad in, to watch something that maybe I was really interested in uh-huh. as a kid and maybe he's not he's not going to get all excited about it as I would because he's not that into it he's just probably more more there as an adult you know uh-huh. exactly that's why we get disappointed is because we want somebody else to uh enjoy the movie as much as we do which means we want them to be right. absorbed in it the same way that we are and the other guy's not interested in getting yeah, out of the form. 
Yeah, my like my dad would always fall asleep during the movies. <laughs> yeah, except we're talking about staying awake, but you know. Right. Exactly. And but so he he is absorbed in the movie, but not really, and so he's not really paying attention to anything until he goes into going to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and finish this conversation now. I got another caller waiting and I'll uh, go to him, but I wanted to make sure that we've got this because this is how we got started on this was about movies and watching things like that. Movies are basically, um, let us say, a contrived environment very similar to a retreat that people go off with in meditation retreats to get away from it all. Okay, well, ordinary people go to the movie to get away from it all. all right. Yeah. So, in that regard, the uh, the Dhamma dude, the meditator, can watch the movie. There's nothing wrong with watching the movie. Just don't get lost in it. Don't get absorbed in it. Look at what's going on. Pay attention. Be here now with it. Yes. And there was many, many things I uh, picked up here with this sensory input stuff that was like, it opens up, opens up for the practice here, I think. So that's really yes. good. This has been good. Mm -hmm. Wakey, wakey. Wake up and smell the coffee. Wake up and look at what's going on. Wake up and hear the noise. Wake up and be in sensory awareness. Wake yeah. up and see what's going on. That's what the whole teaching of the Buddha is about. It's not getting lost in deep meditation, but it's really being woke up, really on top of the game, really watching what's going on. And when you see things that other people are not paying attention to because they're lost in, and absorbed in something, then it looks like that you can see things that other people can't see. That makes you magical. They call it clairvoyance. Clairvoyance is nothing but just clear looking. But <laughs> you really are looking. You're using your eyes. You're not thinking about things. You're watching yes. what's going on. Well, most people are too lost in thought to see what's happening. Exactly. Wow. Well, thank you, Don Rado. Appreciate it. Till next time. Excellent. We'll see you later. See you next time. All right.